deep within our hearts and reflect upon it and bring it out within our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, church. In uh, Mark sixteen fifteen, Jesus said, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And the reason I'm going round and round with my hand is because when it's to the whole creation, that's not limited to one generation. It wasn't just for them to do it. Proclaim in Greek, the Greek word kiriso means to herald, like a newscaster. They herald announcements and news reports on a daily basis. In this world, there's a whole lot of bad news that you hear every day in the news because it sells. But the gospel, evangelio, ev good, angelma, message, it is a beneficial message for the entire world. Any generation and every nation is meant to hear it. The Lord wants the world to hear this message. It's an invitational message that God is inviting the world to be reconciled to Him through His Son. It's a good message. And this message here today is about you and I announcing. Kiriso is to announce. We are God's newscasters. We are made, meant to make known this good news. We are meant for it to be circulated through us and stay in circulation. It is relevant yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and right up until Jesus Christ returns. The gospel is good news. And Jesus wants it announced to the whole creation, to every nation and every generation, which would bring us to our generation. I'm here to encourage us to be announcing it in our generation, because if we're not announcing it to those around us in our lives, they may never hear this good news. In our generation, we're encouraged in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, to announce this shamelessly. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And announcing it stirs up belief. And belief ends up calling upon the Lord. And when we call in a receptive way to Him, the one who calls us in an invitational way, we're saved, the Bible says. That's where salvation takes place. The grace meets faith that calls out to God. My purpose is to spur us on as ones who have this message, this good news, to seize every opportunity to announce it. Whatever opportunity opens up in our journey going forward to be announcing it as we go. 
We're going to focus on four things that are part of announcing the gospel. Number one, going is part of announcing the gospel. Number two, boldness is part of announcing it. Number three, the fear of God is part of announcing the gospel. And number four, repentance is part of announcing the gospel. Let's start with number one, going is part of announcing the gospel. In Romans 10.17, I'm just going to echo what I just said in this opener. It tells us in 10.17 of Romans that faith comes from hearing. And hearing has to do with the message, this good news, the message of Christ. And a couple of verses earlier, Romans 10.13, it says everyone, back to that everyone, all are included in this world. God is calling everyone. Everyone who calls, epikaleo, calls, God's calling is kaleo. Our calling back is epikaleo. And that's a favorable response to the favor of God resting in our lives. We call out to him when we see this in a way that says, I'm open. I'm calling to you. And when we call, it says right there, this covenant of walking together starts. We agree with it, and he brings us in this agreement to walking together in life with him. Paul says, but how will they call on the one they have not believed in? How is the world going to do that? And How will they believe on the one they've never even heard of? Some people have no clue who the Lord Jesus is. And if they do, they might have heard of his name in a swear or some sort of blasphemous expression, but they have not yet understood who he is. And how will they hear? And here's the part that has to do with announcing. How will they hear unless there is someone preaching, making known, heralding, announcing Jesus to them, who he is and what he's all about, what he's done and what is coming. And then it finishes by saying, and here's the going part, and how will they announce these things unless they are sent. That's a going thing. He sends, we go. In John 20, 21, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, and Jesus did go. He says, so now I send you. And in speaking about receiving the Holy Spirit and becoming born from above, regenerated by God's Spirit to life in Christ Jesus. When we receive the Spirit of God and are empowered, clothed in power by the Spirit of God, Jesus says when that happens, you will be 
Μάρτυρεσε, θέλετε, γίνεστε. You will be my willing witnesses if you want it in Greek. Maybe I wasn't willing, but the power of God compels me to work and will according to this purpose of announcing the gospel. People in the world might ask, what right do you have to impose this message that you call good news on me? And the answer really is, the highest authority in the universe has compelled me to share this with you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we're not only a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away, we're beholding all things as new going forward, and a new creation just beyond that the hope of glory. We're seeing a whole lot and the promises of God is coming and on the way we are to be His ambassadors, ones who represent Jesus in this world because He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation with God is good news and we carry a message that tells the world that He wants to reconcile with them. He's entrusted in us the message of reconciliation. He's put it in our hands to announce this, to share this every step of the way. It might be a one-liner of an announcement that you get a chance to share with someone, or maybe there's more if they're interested in more. But we're meant to open our mouths because we believe and share what we know is true. Looking at the PowerPoint in the, the guy there with the starting blocks, that runner, I want you to imagine starting your day, getting down low, uh, like a runner in a race. And in that getting down low, those starting blocks, I want you, like I believe that Jesus wants us every day to start down there low with him, the meek and humble one that says, come to me. I'm meek and humble and learn from me and you'll find relief for your soul. He wants us to come there and be refreshed in his presence. And in those starting blocks, he wants us to gear up. I know people talk about Ephesians 6, which is to, to arm ourselves with all the weaponry for spiritual warfare because there is a battle. But among that armor, there are shoes that we are to gear ourselves up for the day and the next day and beyond that day. Gear ourselves up with the gospel shoes of peace. They are shoes of a readiness. Readiness for what? Readiness to take this news. Readiness to run with this news. Readiness to bring this news. Readiness to share this news at every opportunity. That's the journey ahead. That's the great commission. And so we're down there gearing up with the shoes of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And back to Mark 16, 15. Imagine Jesus saying, on your mark for the day, get set, go. And we go. That's putting the go, as Ron McLean said, back in the gospel. G-O-S-P-E-L. And if you take the go out of the gospel, all you are is under a spell thinking that that's for someone else to do. And that's the enemy's spell, not for you. And I don't know, 
It might be fear that causes that, or a lack of faith that causes that. It might be priorities other than that that choke that out of our lives. And when that all happens, we end up in these starting blocks of the day, and it's on your mark, get set, and we say no. That's taking the go out of the gospel. In the movie Rocky III, I don't know if you uh, have ever seen Rocky III with Mr. T. Man, Mr. T was scary. Rocky lost his nerve going in the rink with that guy. He was afraid. And he had the best training him, Apollo Creed, who was the former champion uh, of the world. And he was trying to get him to get some rhythm and get into the fight. And Rocky said to Apollo Creed, with his arms hanging down, tomorrow. Tomorrow, Apollo. Tomorrow. And then Apollo Creed looked at him astonished and he said, what's the matter with you? There is no tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And the devil says, no, tomorrow. And he keeps saying that every day in our lives. No, tomorrow, until there are no more tomorrows. It's a scheme of the devil to shut down the circulation of announcing and sharing the gospel with people in this world. He wants that circulation to cut off. Back to Ephesians 6, it says to stand firm against those schemes of the devil with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In Mark 6, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Announce it to the whole creation. And so the next time you go low in those starting blocks in your day, Here's a scripture you can look at and pray this. Isaiah 6, 8. Send me, Lord. I will go for you. That's a goer. The Bible affirms goers. It says here in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. They run with it. They go through all sorts of stuff, valleys and warfare, to get this announcement out. It's good news to those who hear it. And Satan would say no. So going is part of announcing the gospel. Number two, boldness is part of announcing the gospel. In Mark 1.14, Jesus came, it says, proclaiming. Same word, kiriso. He came announcing the good news of God. And he wants us, as ones who are sent by him, to boldly do the same. But the reality is, he knew it. He told his disciples about this reality. The reality is, announcing the gospel in this world even if you do it with the greatest love, you speak the truth with the greatest love, 
It's not without hostility or meeting up with hostility or discomfort, backlashes and hate and persecution, and even worse, Jesus said that to expect that, that exists in the spirit world that opposes this and manifests in the natural world. But the other reality on the flip side of that is knowing this life-saving good news that's beneficial for anyone and everyone in this world is like knowing where the living water is in a desert of a world that is dying of thirst. How can I say I'm not going to tell you where that water is? Well, how did the early church deal with the hostility and the backlash and the warfare and all that stood against them in being told by Jesus to go with the gospel? How did they deal with that? Well, they didn't follow their feelings. Because if they followed the feelings, they would have shut down and never spoke up again. No. What they did is, it says they prayed. They didn't go to themselves. They didn't go to prayer. They didn't muster up enough courage generated in themselves. They went to God and said, consider their threats. And enable. Empower us. Make us able to continue to speak your word with great mega boldness. Give us something that's greater than the threat. Give us boldness, courage. And in response to that prayer, there were all sorts of manifestations. I, I look at these manifestations and say, wow, God really found that prayer agreeable. When we employ prayers that are in alignment with God, he deploys great power in response to those prayers. And it says the house shook. It was almost like God was nodding of approval. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the manifestation of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is it says they continued to speak the word boldly, even in the face of threats. Even the Apostle Paul and we look at him as a lion, full of boldness, willing to go through passionately all sorts of things to get the gospel to people. Paul said, pray for me too. That whenever I open up my mouth, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly, synonymously, so that I may boldly make known the mystery of Christ. That this world, would not remain in the darkness, that Christ would not remain a mystery, that God would give me the boldness to go through whatever I need to go through to share, to announce this good news. And so, boldness is part of announcing the gospel. Number three. You might be wondering about this one. I'll make this one clear. The fear of God is a part of sharing the gospel. In Mark 1.23, it says that Jesus' holy presence, he's now on earth, God in the flesh is dwelling on earth and walking among us. His presence, in that presence, unholy or unclean spirits made themselves evident. They manifested and they were afraid 
As soon as his presence was there, they were afraid of him. And they cried out all sorts of announcements. Announcements about who Jesus is. Announcements about his great authority. For example, one of these demons in Mark 23 said, I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Have you come to torture us? Before the appointed time, there is an appointed time for an appointed judge, namely Jesus Christ, who will come and judge the living and the dead. And these demons are terrified of him. But this isn't the time, is it? And then another demon in Mark 5.13, you are the son of the most high God. Saying that with great fear. Demons believe. James says, and they shudder in the presence of God, and with fear and trembling they proclaim his greatness. We see this right here in these examples. But Jesus never authorized unclean spirits, demonic spirits, to actually herald who he is to the world. That's not for them to do. Jesus has actually called humans who believe in him, who trust in him, who have received from him, to actually share what they freely have received. In 2 Corinthians 5.11, the early church followers of Jesus, it says they knew, knew they were intimately aware. They knew what it was to fear the Lord. Isn't that interesting? And it says the result of that is that they boldly Proclaim, boldly announced Jesus to the world and it persuaded the world. Elsewhere it says it turned the whole Roman Empire upside down. The fear of God was greater than the fear of persecution. It outweighed it. And what were they afraid of God for? Afraid of what he can do to the soul. Their soul? No, the souls of those who are not yet right or reconciled with him. That fear of God for them drove them to be witnesses courageously and boldly proclaiming the gospel. There were some that weren't afraid. Acts 5.11, same setting. Ananias and Sapphira, you heard of those names? They lacked the fear of God. They boldface lied in the presence and the power and the glory manifest. It was so thick, the glory, so powerful in that early church. And right in the midst of that, they boldface lied to the Holy Spirit. They lacked the fear of God and they dropped dead. And you know what it says the result of that was? Megas phobos, great fear gripped the church, those who witnessed it, those who heard about it. And as a result of this great fear of God, taking God serious, not trivializing him in any fashion, it says the Holy Spirit continued to move in power. There seems to be some sort of relationship between the fear of God and the power of God and the glory of God. In Acts 9.31, it says the church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers. It multiplied in its population size. 
And guess how it finishes it? Living in, abiding in, continuing in the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of God? What is this? Uh, it's honor. No, the fear of God generates honor. Uh, it's uh, some sort of reverence, uh, treating God as God. Uh, the fear of God ends up treating God like that. The Greek word is phobos. And that's real simple. You don't have to change what it is. It means fear. It means dread. It means terror. It's where the uh, internal alarm kind of suddenly gets uh, 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 sensitized and aware and like, whoa, the greatness of God is an overwhelming thing. You remember when Jesus calmed the storm in that boat with the disciples, all he did was he said, quiet to the wind, and he said, be still to the waves, and they obeyed him. And the disciples who were afraid, it says, afraid that they were going to drown because the water was taking in, sorry, the boat was taking in water. It says they escalated from fear to terror. And it says they were terrified, asking themselves, who is this in the boat with us? So far, we knew he was certainly a man, the Messiah. But who is this that commands the wind and the waves and they obey him? Suddenly, fear struck them. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus disclosed that he was not just a human being, he disclosed his divine nature right before their eyes. It says uh, a, a voice from a cloud spoke and said, This is my own dear son whom I love. Listen to him. They fell on the ground, it says, and they were terrified. And then Jesus came to them and said, don't be afraid. It is I. It's, it's still me. A healthy fear and yet an assurance you don't need to run away. You don't need to be scared like that. You're safe. When, when, when Peter's boat was taken over by Jesus, he never caught fish all night. Jesus gets in this boat, takes command. He becomes the captain of the boat and he tells Peter, Throw the nets on the right side. And Peter's like at his word, okay. Throws the nets on the right side. Great catch. It's supernatural. The nets were breaking. The boat was sinking, taking in water. And Peter falls before Jesus and grabs his knees. And he says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be a catcher of people. Zograu, you will reach, connect like a net, and you will pull them out of death and into life. Sort of the opposite of fish being pulled out of water. <laughs> they get pulled out of life into death. We will pull them out of death and into life. In, so in Psalm 25, 14, it says that the friendship, there's friendship in the fear of God. You're thinking, what are you talking about? It says God confides in those who fear him. Like a friend. There's a closeness. He reveals his covenant. Jesus said, I've treated you as friends. I haven't held back anything. I've shown you all things. 
And in Psalm 40, you know, this covenant is a, a, a covenant of salvation. There's salvation in the fear of God. It says those who fear him, it leads them to trust, to submit a trust to God. And, and Romans 10, 11, it says that those who put their trust in the Lord in the end, on the day of judgment, the day of accounts, they will not be put to shame. There will be no condemnation for them. As it says in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not any longer walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. They walk in agreement with God. And so if you have come into this covenant relationship with God and walk with God, Philippians 2.13, as you quoted a little earlier, says to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm going to give you a contrast to that. There are people in this world that will resist and reject the Lord all along the way. And they will choose to govern their own destiny, independent of God. They will resist Him. They will reject Him. They will rebel against Him. They will remain in the rebellion of Satan, in the dominion of darkness. They will identify themselves whatever way they want to identify themselves, even if it's contrary to who God made them to be. And they will experience, here it says, the wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and unrighteousness of people who suppressed, who pushed down and push away the truth. The wrath of God on earth. Because if you read the same text, it says, as they continue to resist and reject him and come up with false gods to live under and say, this is my God, he actually lets them go. That's the wrath of God, letting them go to their own vices. And they produce all sorts of disordered symptoms in their life from inside to all the way to the outside on how they express themselves. And that is wrath when God lets go, saying, so be it, have it your way. Disorder away from the God of order. And 2.5 speaks of even a greater wrath. It says, because of their hard, unrepentant hearts, they're storing up wrath for the day of God's judgment. That is to be feared. And so the fear of God must be part of the gospel. And the world must take Jesus serious. Matthew 25 makes it clear that Jesus will return. He will judge the living and the dead. And he will separate people like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And the verdict in the end will be that some will inherit eternal life in the kingdom of God with Jesus. And some he will say, away from me. Depart. Never want to hear those words. Those are scary words. Away from me. Into the eternal fire of eternal punishment. Not my words. If anyone says this isn't real, if you hear a teacher out there saying this isn't real, that guy is calling Jesus a liar. The fear of God needs to be part of the gospel. There is wisdom in the fear of the Lord, it says in the Proverbs. And this wisdom treats God with reverence 
And as you come to know him better, the love of God is revealed. Whoa, he loves me. He's committed to me. And the love of God drives away all fear. No fear of condemnation. Well, in Acts 2, when Peter preached to those who had rejected Jesus outright, they killed him. The fear of God seized them. In Acts 2.37, it says the people were cut to their hearts. And they said, what shall we do? And with one word, the first word that came out of Peter's mouth, he said, repent. Number four. We'll close with this one. Repentance is part of announcing the gospel. The world does not want you to tell them to repent. Repentance is essential in the gospel. You can't really announce it without repentance being part of what you share with them. When John the Baptist prepared people to receive Jesus Christ, the first word in his message was repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here now. It's near. <laughs> to receive it, just repent. And then when John was jailed, put arrested, arrested and put in jail, in Mark 1.15, Jesus continued the message from there on. And the first word that came out of his mouth was, Repent and believe the good news. Believe this, this good message that's coming to you. In Luke 24... 47, Jesus tells us, told them and tells us what will follow after being outfitted with the Holy Spirit and with power. He said, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached, will be announced in his name to all nations. Repentance is part of the gospel. What is repentance? <laughs> Literally, it has to do with the way we think. It's a thinking thing. Yes, the behavior follows. It's as I think I am. It has to do with our minds. Noe is the Greek word for mind. Metanoe means after mind. After I've heard this news. After I heard the mind of Christ, God's perspective on how I am to be thinking, how I used to think is not how I think anymore. I've changed my mind, and I've come into agreement with him saying, you're right, that's confession. Omo logo, I'm saying the same things you said to me, God, back to you. I agree with you. That's a change of mind from how I once thought into now thinking how God thinks. And now we're in agreement. Acts 17.30, it says, in the past, God overlooked people's ignorance in this world. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Repentance is an invitation Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is the king. He put out his hand and he said, repent. Just turn around and come back to God. 
Repentance is a gift of God's grace. It's a second chance for anyone and everyone in this world to turn back to God, to be reconciled to Him. The heart of repentance, 2 Peter 3.9, it says God does not want anyone to perish, to be destroyed, but everyone to come to repentance. And so Peter finished his response. I'll close it with this. To those who said, what must we do when they were caught cut to their heart, he said, repent and be baptized. Leah was baptized last Sunday. Repent and identify with Jesus as your Lord. Identify with his death. Identify with his resurrection. Identify with the forgiveness of sins. He didn't die for nothing. Receive that forgiveness of sins by being baptized. And beyond receiving forgiveness, it says you will receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, which is for you, which is for your children, your household, and it is for all those in this world who are far off, whom the Lord our God will call. Going, boldness, the fear of God, and repentance are all part of what God wants us to somehow, in some way, somewhere, with whoever it's going to be, announce this good news that will bring people to the Savior they need. God bless you. Well, as we uh, go...